it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. This episode is sponsored by the Mimosa Room. It's not just a mimosa, it's an experience. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited about our guest today. We had a great conversation about finances and budgeting and credit and all that great stuff from our financial expert, Latrice Goodwine. Latrice knows her stuff, guys. She has a bachelor's of business administration degree in banking and finance and management with a minor in accountancy from Northwood University. Later, she received her master's of business administration and strategic leadership from Walsh College. And then she also is a licensed financial advisor. Latrice decided that she wanted to empower women and um, help women in their finances. So in 2019, she created Girl What's in Your Purse. It started off as an online community, which has well over 2,000 people now. And she recently released her first book, Girl What's in Your Purse. I can't wait for you to hear this awesome conversation. We had a great time chatting. Here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's Brandi Taylor, your host, and we have our awesome guest today, Latrice Goodwine. Welcome, Latrice. Hey, Miss Brandi. Hey, thank you for coming today. No problem. I'm excited. Excited to have you. So, Latrice, tell us something that no one else knows about you. I absolutely love roller coasters. Oh, wow. You love roller coasters. So, you, so you're brave, huh? Yes, I am a daredevil. So you stand in those long lines and you ride all no, the way. No, no. I pay to cut the lines. Oh, you, oh so you're, you're really serious. <laughs> yes, I go to Cedar Point all the time and I pay to get the extra wristband so that I can cut the lines. Yes, ma'am. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, you know, I'm not with you there. I'm not brave at all. Come try it with me, Brandy. You have fun. <laughs> Um, my stomach will fall, just fall out. My whole stomach will just fall out. <laughs> so that's interesting. So, um, so you are a finance lady. Yes, I am. That's what they tell me. I'm that's what they tell you, the finance lady. And you just released a book, Girl, What's in Your Purse? Yes, ma'am. And you also have a community, Girl, What's in Your Purse? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so Girl, What's in Your Purse? We're on Facebook. We have roughly 2,100 women from all across the United States, but I like to say internationally because we have a couple people in Canada, so we're oh. so we're global. Okay, awesome, <laughs> you're global. And so what we do is we come together, and the goal is to make finance fun and attractive. Because what I learned, because I'm a financial advisor by trade, and so what I learned was most women didn't deal with their finances because they thought it was boring and they were intimidated by it. And so the goal is to take those factors away. And so having the book and having these theories, Girl, What's in Your Purse, I take items found in a woman's purse and I relate them financially. So then that way women can get it. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense because everybody can relate to a purse. So. Awesome, I love yeah. purses. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love a good bag. <laughs> 
And so it's interesting because in the book, you share a little bit of your story. You share about how even though you have a bachelor's in business finance and in accounting as well, that when you started in your career, you were making a lot of money, but you really didn't know how to operate your finances. Yeah. So um, growing up, I've always been a nerd. So... I was an honor roll student. I could solve a mean math problem, finance problem. So by doing that, I graduated college with honors. But I didn't understand how to balance my own checkbook, how to make a budget. I didn't understand my credit score because no one talked about that. We didn't talk about actually putting those steps into play, making them practical for your life. I just knew... Todd had $1,000, had 7% interest over three months. (laughs) How much did he have? But we didn't talk about Todd earning that money. We didn't talk about how Todd got that investment account. I I didn't even know how to go about doing it, but I knew how to solve the problems, and I graduated with honors. Interesting. So why do you think that money is such a difficult topic. You say that you didn't really, you know, know about money or how to deal with money. Why do you think that is? Because when growing up in our community, uh, mostly, we don't talk about money at the dinner table. Money, unfortunately, we put too much value, too much emphasis on money when money really is worthless. It's just a piece of paper. It's just a medium of exchange for the hard work that you've done to earn that money. And so we don't want the next person to know what we have or what we don't have. And so that's something that we don't share. It's private. I remember growing up in my household, it was like, don't ever tell anybody how much money you make. It was like, that was like a cardinal sin. That's nobody's business. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times we don't want to talk about it to people because we don't want people to know what we don't have and what we don't understand about money. But guess what? It could be a table full of ten people, and eight of the eight of the other ones is not going to know the same thing that you don't know about money as well. That's interesting. Yeah. So, what made the shift for you? Like, you know, how did you get to the point where you are now, where you're educating people on money? You wrote a book about money. Well, it was a long journey. Now. <laughs> <laughs> What happened was, like like I was telling you earlier, Brandy, I was a young professional woman who just was very careless and reckless with money. And so when I became a mother, that's really what grew me up, is to figure out, okay, I have another life I have to be responsible for. However, Anthony, unfortunately, ended up having an aneurysm. And so at that time, we had a two-year-old daughter. And a four-week-old son. So I was off on maternity leave, and he was off with the aneurysm. So none of us, neither one of us was making any money. Luckily, I had some money saved in the bank. But it wasn't like I had this emergency fund because I wanted to be oh so responsible. It was because I didn't want to go back to work in six weeks. So (laughs) that was the only reason why I had that money. It had nothing to do with, oh, save this because I didn't really know how to save I knew how to get what I wanted and what I didn't want to do was go back to work and so <laughs> that's interesting. so side note question so you didn't want to go back in six weeks so when did you think you would go back before all that happened with Anthony at least six months 
Oh, I okay. Say I was going to take an extended no pay for six months. Oh, wow. I had a two-year-old and this new baby. I'm like, uh-uh. I wasn't about that life. I wasn't trying to get up and go to work and get two kids ready that early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was going to take an extended maternity leave and that was the goal. So, thank God you had those funds yes. stored away. Yes, because... If if I didn't, no telling what would have happened if I didn't have that money stored away. So that got me to thinking, like, Trees, bad things do happen to good people. So what if, what if you weren't prepared? And so and the thing is, I would not have been prepared if I wasn't pregnant with my son trying to stay off mm-hmm. on a longer <laughs> maternity leave. And so that got me to thinking and said, okay, you have to do better. Because life happens. Mm-hmm. And when life happens, what are you going to do? Are you going to... Because the bill collectors don't care that Anthony was in the hospital. Uh, my mortgage company wouldn't care that I'm on maternity leave. They want their money. Mm-hmm. So you have to prepare for the what-ifs in life. And so that's how I started living my life, is preparing for the what-ifs. So what were some of the first uh, steps that you took, like, after going through that and, you know... But you said both of you weren't working, so you had you had to live off of your savings. Yes. So when you did go back to work and start bringing in income, what were some of the steps that you took to start better preparing yourself for the future I or started, for emergencies? I started when we were called trimming the fat, and we put ourselves on a financial diet because we just had so much stuff. Like at that point in time, we had a Benz, we had a Corvette. And we had a Tahoe. Y'all was balling. That we was paying for. <laughs> we was fake balling. That's the problem. <laughs> People were fake balling. We got all this stuff and all all these material things. Mm-hmm. But what do you really have tucked away? What What do you have as a security? Mm-hmm. And so that was one thing that we decided is that we paid. What we did was we paid off the Corvette. So we paid that off. And then um, when it was time to turn in my bins, I turned that in. So my sister always would joke about it. She was like, Trish, you went from a Benz to a Buick. <laughs> <laughs> but it still got me to point A to B. And then plus my family started growing. So I had ended up getting an enclave. So, <laughs> but it was certain things like that that I had to change my mindset on. It was like everything that you see. You don't have to have. Like, you, you don't. You have enough already. Right. So it's like start saving for the future. Start being comfortable because life can happen within the blink of an eye. Are you prepared? And so that was one of the things that I started doing. I put it together a budget. I had to see what was coming in and what was going out. And literally when I did that, I was shamed. And how much that, money. that could be scary in yes. itself because when you really, you know, I don't know if it's just me, but I think it's not. You wouldn't believe how much money we spend on food. Oh, oh, so food, let's, girl. Let me tell you that. So, in my group, everyone knows I tell this story all the time. So, one of the apps that I started um, utilizing, it was called the Mint app. Oh my God, when I tell you that app tells you about yourself. <laughs> That app told me I was spending $400 a month at McDonald's. At what? At McDonald's? Yes. It probably Burger King, Taco Bell too, but fast food. I was like, 
Wow. Like, I was so embarrassed for myself to see that literally I'm wasting $400 on McDonald's. Wow. But but I I was similar. I wasn't quite $400, but I was spending a lot on fast food. Food in general. Coffee is a big thing. And so you realize that, and mint is great, and you realize that, and... So tell me this. I'm curious. You were spending four hundred on McDonald's. How much were you spending on groceries? So that's another thing. So I'm spending four hundred um on mint. I mean, I don't say on mint. On I mean, on fast food. And then I'm still spending like another two, three hundred dollars on groceries. Because mind you, I still have little kids. So yeah. So you gotta have food in the house yes, for them. And yeah. it doesn't take as much. Mm-hmm. To feed them, and so it's like so, still two, three hundred dollars. So literally seven hundred dollars, probably. And we don't need. I don't care if it is a family of uh, what's family of four, right? Five, five, it's five numbers. Yeah. I have, have Miss Aubrey now. Yeah. <laughs> so family of five. I mean, seven hundred. It's a lot. That's a lot. Even if you go organic, that's right. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, you know it's expensive to yes. like, and that's interesting too. I want to talk about that a little bit. Why is it so inexpensive to kill ourselves, but it's expensive? Oh. Like you can go and get the worst stuff for cheap and eat good. Yeah. But if you decide, okay, I want to go to Whole Foods. Whole Foods ain't playing with the prices. They not. They not. And or any of those stores, if you decide you want to do organic yeah. or you want to do fresh vegetables, all that adds up very quickly, quickly. And you can actually go get the things that are bad for you so much cheaper. And I, I that it should be the other way around. It should be me. the other way around. Because like <laughs> when I go to Panera Bread, I'm not spending anything less than ten dollars. Exactly. That's an expensive habit. Now, I had, it showed me my Panera bill because I want to meet everybody there for coffee. Yes. And because I love Panera. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> and that two for, what, two for two? We'll pick two. Oh, you yeah, pick that two. pick two. Yeah. yeah. You don't get nothing to drink with it. So even, even, even if you don't get, only get the water, it's still $12. Right. <laughs> and that adds up. It, it does, really adds it does up. It add up a lot. And I, and I get what you're saying because you're trying to eat healthy, but it's like, ugh, $12 at Panera, but I got the dollar menu <laughs> and McDonald's. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to go over here. Right. It is clear you were selecting that. And a lot of us do that because I'm guilty of that as well. So was it, I, I know it couldn't have been easy to change your habits. So what are some of the steps you took to change your habits? Um, One of the things I did was I... Stuck to a budget. So I still allotted myself money for fast food, dining out. But it just wasn't for $100 worth. It would be $100. And once it's gone, it's gone. So my philosophy is every dollar needs a job. And so if every dollar has a job, you don't have to worry about where it's going or why I don't have any money because guess what? I allocated money for fast food per se or hanging out or dining out. I've allocated money for food. This money is allocated for bills. And so once that entertainment money is gone, it's gone. So now you have to be responsible with it. I still put it in the bill, I mean in the budget. I'm not trying to deny myself of the things that I like to do. I just have to put, you know, get a hold to it, you know, and be more responsible with it. 
So that's really what I did. I really had to first, though, I had to identify I had a problem. Mm-hmm. A shopping problem. I, think I, still, <laughs> I had to identify that first. And then look and see where everything was going. Once I did that, then I can start making a conscious decision on where do I need to trim the fat? Mm-hmm. Where can I put myself on a financial diet with? I mean, I love to get my hair, nails, feet, makeup, and things like that done. But I had to stop getting the $300 hairdos all the time. And I had to go natural sometimes. It was just certain types of give and takes you have mm-hmm. to do in order for me to save and start seeing, you know, the fruit of my labor, the money that I was working for. I want to see it instead of giving it to everybody else. Right, <laughs> right. So that's great. And um, your book is a great tool for anybody who, you know, wants to get a, get a grasp of their finance and really start making the proper decisions. And you give some great advice and tips in there. So let's talk about, like, for... Uh, for business, okay. so business finances, you said you had your acronyms for the purse, yes. right? So let's talk about that for the business. So for the business, I still believe that um, your business should be a separate household. You have to run your business as you run your household, but totally separate accounts. You have to look at my two separate households. And so just like in the book, and I'll just give an example, how I say every woman should have some protection in her purse. That's life insurance. Every business owner needs protection for their business. That's life insurance as well. Key man insurance, disability insurance, liability insurance. You need to protect your business and you need to protect yourself. And so a lot of times we're looking at life insurance, health insurance, liability insurance as an expense. No, that's an asset because you don't want to get caught without it. You don't want someone to sue you and you don't have any coverage. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They come back with your personal assets. So that's why you want to protect your business as well. Or like I say, every woman should carry an umbrella. Mm-hmm. An umbrella is your rainy day fund, just like in your business. You need an umbrella. You need a rainy day fund that's going to protect you from the storms. Because guess what? You're going to have slow periods. Right. You're going to have cancellations. Uh-huh. Hey, but you still got paid invoices. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth, though. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. But guess what? You still have to operate. You still got staff you got to pay. You still got vendors you have to pay. So... You have to make sure that you have that rainy day fund, that umbrella that's going to cover you. So your business needs an emergency fund. Yes. Okay. So you got to have your personal emergency fund. And and, and you know what? I just got that from you, but I never thought of it that way. Absolutely. Your business needs an emergency fund for those slow times, those down times, or when something breaks. You need to be able to go somewhere and say, okay, I got this money set aside because, and I'll use you as an example, um, in your business. So say one of your chairs break. You don't want to have to take away from your operations money to go pay for that. You need to have an, an emergency fund so that everything will still run smooth sailing. You want to still go on without a hitch when things happen. Because things are going to happen in business just like things happen in life. So yes, it's very important 
that your business have an emergency fund. Yeah, and that might be why a lot of businesses fail early on because yes. they financial issues, mismanagement of money yes. is a really big thing. Because yes, you know they say most businesses fail within like the, the first, first five years. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And it could and and it could definitely be due to mismanagement in your Correct. funds. Or just not understanding. Yeah, understanding you know, how time, to do it. Yeah, because you really have to know your numbers. A lot of times in business, you're good at your craft. Mm-hmm. Like you are like the bomb.com makeup artist. But do you understand your cost? Do you understand how much it's going to cost for you to the the product that you're using, the lights that you utilize, and things like that? All those costs needs to factor in. So a lot of times I'll talk to people, so what's your profit margin? They can tell me how much they're selling their service or their product for, but they don't understand the profit. So they don't even know if they're really making or losing any money because they don't even understand the cost that's going into it. And, and it's interesting because it's, if you even a hairstylist, so you think about a hairstylist, they may pay boot rent. Yes. They uh, have these supplies. You know, they usually, when you pay boot rent, you buy your own supplies. Right. So you have your, your uh, hair treatments, your hairsprays, your shampoos, everything. Yes. And that's the cost. Yes. And then your tools and then mm-hmm. everything that you use. So even if, whether you do commission or boot rent, you have a cost. Yes. And if you don't add it up in you your pricing, you could actually be operating, losing money. Yes, you're operating at a, at a negative. And a lot of times you see the money coming in like, oh, yeah, I made $500 today. But were your expenses $750 when you thought about it? Right. So guess what? You really didn't make any money. You see that $500 coming in, but when you factor in, like you said, food rent, when you factor in your scheduling um, app that you're using because that costs, when you factor in when people are using credit card um, or debit card payments, it's a percentage that costs you. So you have to think about all those things when you're setting your prices because that comes out before you even can get paid. Right. Yeah. And I think um, it's a lot going on sometimes with business. That's why I do believe that it's okay to hire someone to help you with your finances, yes. to help you understand your numbers. I think that that is very important. I am very big on staying in your own lane. Yes. I'm a finance person. I tell people all the time, even if you are on my live, everyone on my live um, on Facebook is part of our community. They know trees don't do technology. <laughs> so I'm learning as we go. I have no shame. I tell them I am the finance person. I let them know I am not this visual person. I don't have this big creative mind. I hire people. Mm-hmm. To do my marketing and designing and all that stuff because stay in your lane, do what you are good at, and partner with other people that are geniuses in their area of expertise. So my big thing is collaboration over competition. Let me collaborate with someone who do their thing well. Let me do my thing, and we can all grow together. That's interesting collaborating. So, because yeah, sometimes as a small business, you may not be able to hire right. someone to do everything for your finances mm-hmm. or keep your books. And but I do think eventually it's something that you need to do to have somebody keep track of your uh, finances and help you stay on track. Especially if you're not able to do it on your own or One just lack the knowledge to do it. I have been learning that a lot of people are doing. They have been bartering services, especially if they both are coming up together. Mm-hmm. That has been like a big thing lately as far as like, okay, well, 
I'll do your makeup if you allow me, if you do my credit repair. I've heard, you know, things That's like awesome. that. Oh, I've seen people, um, I know one young lady who's awesome in credit. She was telling me how someone was designing her website for her. And the payment was, she was going to fix her credit. So that's two small business um, owners, entrepreneurs coming up together. That's great. Both of us, we don't have the money right now to pay for each other's <laughs> services because we, we on the ground level. But hey, you you make me a website, I'm going to get your credit together. It's a win-win. So... I mean, we got to use those negotiation skills, too. Yeah, bartering is good. And I never thought of it that way, but that's absolutely a great idea and a great way to get some things done. So, so, yeah, tell me this. So, do you think that if you feel like it's overwhelming for you, I think you do have to take some responsibility in your money. You have to know where you are financially. And you have to, you know, make... Um, changes because it's insanity to do the same thing and expect a different result. True. So you got to make changes in your finances if you're having, you know, if that's a struggle area for you. Mm-hmm. But um, do you think that uh, everyone needs like to hire like a financial advisor or um, like I'm just I know we talked about bartering, but do yeah. you think this is like a key thing that people need? I think everyone needs some type of financial coach or some type of financial expert. With finances, I always tell um, people, finance is the psychology of money. Mm-hmm. We are the doctors of the money. So what we do is we analyze your habits and we develop solutions and results. And, and we're problem solvers for you. We're strategic. And you need someone on the outside looking in, looking at the numbers and say, okay, these are the trends. These are the patterns. This is how you can help you grow. However, just like you said, you still have to take ownership of your finances. I tell my clients all the time, don't feel like you're bothering me when you're asking me about your money. It's your money. You need to understand. You might not know all the nuances that's going on, but you need to understand where your money is and definitely how much money you have. Don't ever completely Take your hands off of it. I, I ran into a lot of people, a lot of my clients that used to tell me, oh, I don't know how much I have. I just let them handle it. No, that's your money. You're ultimately responsible for it. Right. And you need to know. And if they have a problem with you asking them, then you don't need them as your financial advisor or your financial coach. Because guess what? You're hiring them. They work for you. And so you need to make sure that it's someone that you're comfortable with, someone that you trust, and someone that is open. You have to have a connection. Because you, when you're dealing with people with money, it gets serious. So, mm-hmm. so you want to make sure that it's someone that you trust, that you're comfortable with, and that you connect with when you deal with your money. Great, great advice. So what about credit? Now, credit is a big thing. Yes. And I've been actually talking to a lot of people who even they're trying to scale their business they're trying to expand they're trying to do different things whether you want to build out or buy a new building or whether you want to hire staff so now you need big bucks you may need a hundred thousand dollars for this project and you need funding and so 
what are you so but credit is a big thing with that because if you don't have the credit you're not going to get funded for anything but so you got to work on your personal credit first and then look into business credit so let's talk a little bit about that so i hear this all the time i'm so glad you brought that up brandy because a lot of people for some reason people think that they can separate their business from their personal credit (laughs) no (laughs) ma'am You are your business. Your business is you. Mm-hmm. Your business is operated by a person. So you as the person is responsible for paying that bill back. Right. And so even though the debt is going to go to the business per se, the lender wants to look at the person behind the business. Let me see how you're operating your personal finances. Let me see how your credit is. Do you have any money in the bank? Because guess what? What if this business does not succeed? That's how banks operate. In my former life, I was a banker. I was a commercial lender. And so I used to have to tell them, I have to see how the person behind the business handled their own finances. And if this business fails, can you still support this debt? Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're looking at. Banks, any type of financial institution, they operate with caution. They operate on the what if principle. What if you don't get that big contract? Mm-hmm. How can we get our money back? So unfortunately, those that three-digit number, your credit score, determines your character. It tells the lender the possibility if you are or are not going to pay them back, whether it's a business debt or whether it's your personal loan. They want to see, okay, they got an 800 credit score. They paid everybody else back. I got a good chance that they're going to pay me back. Mm -hmm. You got a 500 credit score. What makes you think? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't didn't pay Macy's back. So you're definitely not going to, if times get hard, you're not going to pay this $50,000 loan back. And it's like, I understand you have this great product and it's going to blow up and it's going to do this. But when I give you the money, how do I know you're going to be responsible with it? Because you weren't responsible with your personal finances. It's like you got bounce checks in your name. Mm-hmm. You have no money in savings, in investments, or in your checking account. So you spent all of that. What makes me think you're not going to, or that you are going to do the right things with this money? So, that's what I tell people. You have to have your personal stuff in order. Because that's all the bank has to look on and and go after. Because you're a new business. Mm -hmm. So, everyone out there, make sure you have your personal game together. Make sure you have cash in the bank. Make sure... That your credit is up to par, and yeah, you and make sure you also have some investments. Investments kind of make it a little bit better because they're like, okay, they make, it makes the bank think you kind of financially savvy. They're like, oh, okay, she got her own investment account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, she knows some things about some money. So yeah, that that helps you out. So just like, look, we that's interesting. So like for your personal, 
You got to have an emergency fund. You got to have money set aside for your business as well. Yes. And then you also have to have your, your personal credit together yes. and your business credit together. Now, another thing, though, what I think sometimes people are, maybe they've made the wrong decisions. Maybe they have bad things on their credit. And I think sometimes people think that they'll never be able to change that. Um... So I want to talk to that because it is possible to yeah. get on the right track, even if you're not on the right track with your credit. So tell us what's, what are some things that we could do to get on track with it. One of the things that you can do to get on track. So in my book, I do do a do-it-yourself. What's the word? DIY. No, DIY. How do you, how you yeah, it's DIY. DIY. Yeah. I always mm-hmm. say that wrong. Do-it-yourself. <laughs> 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 DIY. DIY. In the book, and so in my book, credit is called your makeup bag. I say every woman needs to have um, a makeup bag. In their I know purse. that's my favorite yeah, that's chapter because <laughs> you got the four segments. Because I had wrote it down the concealer. So, do you, what's the concealer? Well, <laughs> the concealer is basically um, payment history. Your payment history. Mm-hmm. So, it's your foundation. It's like, you know, that's what you need. Less is best. I mean, not, I'm sorry. That it's your foundation is where you start, and so payment is where you're going to start. You have to make your payments on time, and and that is going to be a big part of your credit report is how well you make your payments. However, most people think that's all your credit score rely on is you paying your bills on time. It's really only thirty five, even though it's the largest percentage. It's only 35% of your credit score mm-hmm. is made off of making your payments on time. And the other 65% is other factors that build up your credit. So in the book, we talk about all those different segments and how you can raise your score in those areas. Because one of the areas is credit mix. And that's the lipstick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you want different mix of credits. A lot of women like different shades of lipstick. Mm-hmm. So you want different mix of credit. And so you want to have a mortgage and installment loan and then revolving um, lines of credit, which is credit cards. So if you have those three mixes of credit, that represents 10% of your credit score right there. So um, once you understand how credit works, then you're able to play the credit game. And so that's one of the good things that I do love about the book because it teaches you how to play the credit game. And that's great for personal credit, but can you give us any advice for building our business credit? For building your business credit, um, you can start off with those um, companies where they do those net those net pay, mm-hmm. so they'll allow you to purchase an item, um, and then you have 30 days to pay. Oh, the net 30. The yeah. net 30, yes. Mm-hmm. So you can have, so that is a great way to establish accounts like that. And so those are very easy to get. You just have to make sure that you pay it off in 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you start doing things like that, then that builds your business credit. And so now it'll show the bank okay, they're ready for the bigger loans. Or you can also get a credit card in the um, company's name. 
Mm-hmm. And so like a, a Lowe's or a Home Depot or something like those type of credit cards in the business name and you as a personal guarantee. And so now you're establishing a history of the business being able to support debt as well. So those are the two things that I definitely would recommend, the net 30 credit lines and opening up a business credit card. Okay, great. Great advice. So how do you feel about uh, multiple streams of income? Multiple streams of income, especially in business. Mm -hmm. It is definitely important. You do not want all your eggs in one basket. Right. I don't want everyone all over the place. I, you know, you'll have someone saying, um, I do hair and I'm a caterer. No, 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 no. You have to have different streams of income. Yeah, I know people like that. I do hair. Yeah. I decorate. I I'm do like, I do event planning. I'm I do like, I need you to, too much. I'm like, I need you to focus. That's, that's how we can't make no money because you all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, but if you are a hairstylist, Definitely, you should be in the hair business as far as making your own hair care products or extensions, anything like customizing wigs. You want different streams of income because every industry has seasons, they have volumes, and they have peaks. They have peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. And so you want to understand when one area of your business or that industry is in the peak at a peaking point and another is in the valley, you're always okay because you're going to have money coming from different angles. Mm-hmm. So say, for instance, one thing I did learn that the hair um, industry loses money in the summertime. I learned this from mm-hmm. my beautician. Yeah, people she, don't get their hair done in the she, summer. That's what she said. She was like, people They get don't, the braids yes, or whatever. I did not know mm-hmm. that. And but I am one of those people. I get braids in the summer or I wear my hair natural. And she said, yes, business is slow in the summertime. So guess what? As a cosmetologist, when you know that to make sure that your in, your income doesn't drop in the summertime, you need to have another revenue source that's still in the beauty industry so that you maybe you start braiding here. You know what I'm saying? But you have to do something or bring in a braider that's going to bring money into the business or but just make sure you stay in the beauty industry. So I know some people, as like um, my grandmother would say, don't be no one-trick pony. You, you <laughs> have to have multiple skills and talents in the industry mm-hmm. that you're in. Now... I can argue that just a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I do feel like you don't want to get too far. You don't want to do too many things. True. But I, you know, can be an exception to the rule because I actually, you know, I'm a makeup artist. I'm a, 80% of my business is training, so I do a lot of private lessons, one-on-one sessions for artists and, you know, just everyday women that want to learn how to apply makeup. But then I also am an event producer. Now I do target the beauty community with the Detroit Business of Beauty Expo, but that's my that's my business as well. That's another business that I have, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's still in beauty because I do target the beauty right. community. But it's not, you know, it's far from makeup. Like I'm ne- connected with business owners. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's a we're talking about the business side of beauty, and I have now I'm a podcaster, but the vlogger, all, but yeah. It's all still in beauty. You're still in the beauty industry, and it's multiple streams of income, but it's still 
in beauty. You're not talking about beauty and furniture making. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, so right. So it would be a problem if you were a makeup artist, but your podcast is talking about repurposing furniture. Like, yeah. That yeah. don't go together. And like with me, you know, with Girl Was In Your Parts, I'm a financial coach, but I also do speaking engagements. And then now I'm starting a segment called Money and Mimosas, where I'm going to take girl bosses and we're going to learn financial topics for business women. It's all still money, but now I'm targeting women. So it's all still in the same wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But But I get you. Like, you don't want to be too far off. You don't want to be all over the place is what you're saying. Don't be all over the place. Don't be, you know, a trick. What what, what is it? Uh, Jack of, Jack of all, all trades, master, master of none. none. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that too. So yeah, I do agree because you do have some people that want to do it all. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I do hair, nails, makeup, pedicure. No, no, no. Just yeah, I don't want to do it all. You know what? This Focus. year I realized, like, I was doing. You know, I am an esthetician, but I I learned a long time ago that I didn't want to do what it. With you know aesthetics, I didn't want to do aesthetics, mm-hmm. which is like basically skincare, uh, treatments and stuff like that. That really wasn't the side of it. Okay. I like, even though I know the importance of skincare, mm-hmm. I can educate you on that, but I don't want to actually just be the one to give you your right. facials and extraction. I don't want to do that. But I makeup, I love. Yes. And so, and then I start. I, lashes were really big. Everybody was doing lash extensions, so I started doing lash extensions. And because I'm a good teacher, I started teaching other people how to do it and how to get their lash extension business going. But I didn't like doing lashes because it's very tedious. And I'm like, I'm a like, oh yeah, they're really pretty. (laughs) I'm like a, yeah, they are cute. I was looking at them. But I am like a type of person, I I like to move around. I like to do stuff. Lashes had me sitting there for two hours with some magnifying glasses on, looking at each lash. That's not really me. So I stopped doing lashes because I was only doing it for money. Right. Okay. And so my thing with 2019, I'm like, I don't want to just do things just to get money. I want everything I do to have a purpose behind it. And if I'm not feeling it, if it's not for me, that's okay. So, uh, and so I think you're absolutely right when you say that, like, make sure that you're not all over the place yes. because then you're not going to be mastering nothing. Right. Because <laughs> you're a trick of all like said that, and that's one of the things that I really stress to my ladies. Do the things that is purpose for your life, the things that you're passionate about, and that's planned out for you. Because a lot of times, if we're out chasing money, we're not fulfilling our purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the main things about growing in your purse. It's Make sure you're carrying your purpose, your passion, and your plan. Because when you're walking in your purpose, doing the things that you're passionate about, and if it's the plan that's laid out for your life, the money will come. Mm-hmm. And I was a traditional financial advisor where I sold annuities, stocks, mutual funds, um, life insurance, disability, long-term care, all of that stuff. But my true purpose and my true passion was coaching women. Like, I wanted to really get down and put a solid, personalized plan together. And I was like, and that's how Growth in Your Purse came about because it's like I had to follow my purpose. Yes, I can make a lot of money um, selling people stuff, 
But I wanted to coach and educate and empower women on finances and make us comfortable and understand what's going on with our finances and be okay. Like, okay, I understand when this statement come in the mail, I ain't going to just throw it on the table and not look at it. I can actually read it. I can understand it. I feel good about investing and I know what I'm investing in. So that's what I get excitement off of. And that's why I feel like people, especially women, gravitate to me about finance because one, I'm going to keep it real. Mm-hmm. And I don't make it intimidating and I'm welcoming. And I feel like that's my purpose is to empower women with finances. And so, which has allowed other avenues for me to, you know, other doors to open up because I'm truly walking in my purpose. And I think that what happened with you, when you found out your purpose was educating and teaching about makeup, that's how all the other avenues open the um, Business and Beauty Expo and the brunch and now the podcast because now you're educating and spreading the message out and that's how all these great things are flowing for you. Thank you. I, I believe that as well. Yeah. And I believe like makeup is only one part, but it's still a big part. And that's why even, you know, starting this podcast, I'm like, we're still going to talk about makeup. Like we're talking about business, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk about the lipstick sometime yeah. because that's still, you know, a big part of it. But I am, um, I feel like I'm on the right path now. One thing I've also learned is just like being true to yourself. Yeah. Like what I realized was, especially like in nowadays, nowadays, a lot of people see this industry. They see the beauty industry, the hair, the extensions, the this, the that. So now, because it's all on Instagram, it's all on yes. YouTube. It's been on YouTube, but now Instagram, you get that quick. So you're seeing all this stuff mm-hmm. quickly on your phone and, and along with YouTube or on Facebook, you got, you know, videos and stuff. So a lot of people don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And so they're looking at the the hair the makeup and the beauty industry and they think that this is an industry they want to get into because it looks glamorous because it looks glamorous and they see all these people making all this well they think they're making they think thing, and then everybody want to sell bundles yes everybody want to sell bundles. bundles everyone wants to do lashes, lashes. Extension, and it's like you have to really do like you said what's purpose for you and not what you think is going to make you a quick dollar because the young lady that's making all this money in selling bundles, that's her purpose. Mm-hmm. She's passionate about it. That's why she's yielding the results. And that's how it is with me. Even though I'm a financial um, coach, I also do real estate investing. I love real estate. I love development. I, I mean, that's something that I'm passionate about. So I'm going to yield a different result than someone who's trying to flip a house or rent a house out. Who's only doing it for They're the money. They're only thinking about, oh, I want to get in real estate because I want to make money. Right. They don't understand. Like with me, I understand. I know people are not, I ain't going to say everybody, but some people are not going to pay their rent November and December because it's Christmas <laughs> time. You know, they're spending all their money shopping. And then I factor in January, I'm probably not going to get any rent either because they got to pay all their past due bills. Mm-hmm. I get my money in February when income tax checks off. <laughs> you know, so these are things that I have learned and I understand. And I and I understand that people are going to get evicted. People are going to trash your house. Everyone does not pay their rent. 
I'm factoring that in. I, I understand that that comes with the territory, but people say, oh, you're getting a check on the first, or you're going to pick up rent on the first through the fifth. No, not always. <laughs> Everybody don't always say. I have to listen to the sad sob stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. You know, um, I I think you definitely are walking in your purpose. Thank I can you. tell you're Thank passionate you. about finances, yeah. and I love that you're like, because you could be somewhere, you know, at a big firm yeah. making dollars and just selling people, you know, that stuff. But you're actually empowering people and yeah. helping people and teaching women how to manage their finances, how to how to set a budget, yeah. and how to get your credit together. Mm-hmm. And how to have an emergency fund yes. and all of that and, set aside. And how to actually get additional streams of income. Mm-hmm. Do not want one stream of income. Do not be a slave to one stream of income because life happens. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I've known a lot of people that had a great job, but then they got downsized, they got fired, they got sick. Then what? Mm-hmm. So that's your only source of income. With me, I have multiple streams of income. So when consulting business is down, guess what? I have my real estate portfolio mm-hmm. um, to lean off of. Then I have other investments that I do. So it's like I have four to five different streams of income that's coming in. So when one is down, I can pull on another. I'm not sitting here stressing like, oh, my God, the tenant moved out. Okay. The tenant moved out. Kids, we ain't going out to eat this week. No. (laughs) Right. I'm not sitting up here, like, stressing about how I'm going to pay my mortgage now because I was solely relying on my real estate portfolio. No, I can't count on that. I'm going to have to pull that money from another source. So... And that's great, you know, that you have multiple sources. I, I have a few, too, and I'm looking at adding a couple there more. There you go. <laughs> Lucky number seven. Lucky number I'm seven. Yeah, they seven, say you should have seven, seven streams, streams of income. Yeah, seven streams of income. And it doesn't have to be work-related income. You can have investments. I mean, you can have an annuity that's paying you interest. You can have stocks and mutual funds that's paying you dividends. And so, mm-hmm. Those are the things, too, that I talk to my women about. It's like, let your money make money for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to work so hard all the time. That's, we can do that. We women. We know how to work. Let's let's start working smarter, not harder. Let's make our money multiply. And I noticed, like, a lot of women, well, I don't know all women, but a lot of women that I associate with don't invest at all. Right. Why do you think that is? Because women... By nature, and I talk about that in the book, We Play Chess, we're always four or five moves ahead when we're doing something now. So it's like, I've already calculated and figured this out. I don't want to take that risk of possibly losing money. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think when women hear it's a risk or it's a possibility of a loss, they're like, "Uh uh-uh, I work too hard (laughs) for this money. I'm not about to lose it. But what we're not understanding is that we're already losing because we're not allowing our money to work for us. So yeah. that, that's that's and the thing is that we're really losing because we're not allowing our money out there. It, it's just and that's one of the things about the group. It just takes some education and I like to hope 
my client's hand. I had one client. She was adamant. Like, I ain't invested in nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I took a little bit of money. And, and she saw how it grew. And she was like, oh, this how this works. Then we got a little bit of money. But I always take everyone at their pace. And I always have them invest in things that they're comfortable in. Because if I have someone that tell me, I'm scared of the stock market. Okay, you're scared of the stock market. Let's start with certificates of deposit. Let's start with money market accounts. Let's do a interest. Let's do a um, fixed annuity. We'll do some things that get them comfortable before we start moving into the, the big stuff. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So you're you're even teaching investing too. So yes. that's awesome. Yes, I love that you're teaching women yes, investing. Yes, that is one of the things. So I'm going to be doing some online classes. Um, my one online class is going to be on budgeting in July, and then I'm going to be doing another class called Invest Like a Woman. So. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. So, can you tell us, what is the best business advice you've ever received? Oh, man. The best business advice that I ever received. That is a good one. I've received a lot of great advice, Brandy. And what's the first one that comes to mind? Stay true to my purpose. I love it. And and the reason I say that is it was so many people that tried to talk me out of naming my company and my book, Girl Within Your Purse, because they said I was canceling out a whole market because I was canceling out the men. Oh, okay. And I thought about that thing, and I was like, but my purpose my calling is for women. And so, and if I allow people to talk me out of doing my purpose, then I will be like any other financial advisor, just serving the population, serving everyone. So now women know, Tree specialized in me. She focused on women. She understands women. Trust me, it's a lot of women in the world. I don't need, and I'm not going to say I don't need men. Let me, let me not say that. But, because I do have male clients. Mm-hmm. I have men that bought the book and have read the book and have wrote reviews about the book because they just say, hey, I, they say I'm comfortable. With, they say they're comfortable with themselves. So they don't mind reading the book on Girl What's in Your Purse. But I feel like if I would have let others talk me out of changing the name of my book, changing the name of my company, that I wouldn't be probably good for you today. Right, right. Because And I love the name. Thank you. You know what I said? Like, I love it. And a lot of people said it like, oh my God, I love it. But they, but people were thinking about the money. Mm-hmm. They were like, you're, you're canceling out men because it says girl what's in your purse. And I'm like... And I'm, it's plenty of people teach on finance. If the men aren't attracted to that, then it's not for them. Right. Your target is women. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, that's okay. That's my niche market. You can niche it. You yes. can niche it out. People, people, like, I can't, even with the, it's okay to have a niche. Yes. People, people be thinking, like, even in the beauty industry, oh, I do hair, I do lashes, I do nails, I do, the, you know. No, you're not going to be good at all of those right. things. What are you the best at? Mm-hmm. Why don't you focus on really becoming the best in that area and make that a focus? You may can do a few other things, but you don't want to do like 10 different things in the beauty industry. And I learned at your brunch. And, oh, my God. When I tell you that stuff with me, when um, Shana said, 
niche will get you rich. Yeah. Being broad will make you broke. I yeah, said, I, yes, oh, I remember that. <laughs> that was, so that was like my confirmation. Yes. That I have to have a niche market because that's what's going to make me rich. Because right. Because this is what I focus on. This is my area of expertise. This is my area of genius. Let me stick with that. I don't think like a man. I'm telling women what they should have in their purse. I feel like a man should tell a man how to run their household, how mm-hmm. to protect their family. I can tell a woman how to operate her household and how to nurture her family and her finances and things like that because I'm a woman mm-hmm. and has a family that's a mother. So that was like, that was total confirmation for me that I am doing the right thing because I can't be all things to everyone. Right. I need to just service my population, my people, and, and service them well. Yep, and that, that just goes back to being true to yourself. Yes. Yep, that goes back to being true to you. Yep. Yep, and it's okay. And I think, I know it was at one point where I didn't think I could be genuinely me. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. Like, I didn't really think I could do that. Like, I thought I had to do what other people were doing yes. in their business and do it like mm-hmm. other people. And I really had to come to myself and understand, like, well, that's not you. That's not for you. And it's okay. okay. And you don't do all of those things. And that's okay because every customer is not going to be for yes. you. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that. Be true to yourself and um, walk, be walking your purpose. Yes, and that's really what girl was in your purpose is. And I stress that in the book. My purse is going to be different from your purse. It's going to mm-hmm. be different from her purse. And that's okay. What works for me is not going to work for you. And it's okay. That's one thing I do not allow my clients to tell me. Well, they say I'm supposed to know. You can't say what they say because that works for their household. We have to figure out what works for your household. Because what they're the investments that they're doing, the budget that they're operating off of, does not work in your household because you don't make the same money that they make. You don't have the same bills that they have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you don't have the same responsibility that they do. So, we have to strategize on what's best for you. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So, how do you define success? Success is being able to... Do what you want to do when you want to do it with no regrets. I love it. And, yeah, that's what I say. I mean, it's not a dollar amount. It's not an income level. It's just truly being happy with your authentic self. Your authentic self. I think that's a successful person. Awesome. I love it. So, what's your favorite business tool? Oh, my cell phone. Ooh, her cell phone. <laughs> I, do, I do everything off okay, my cell phone. But you have the cell phone, but there's something that you okay. use on the cell phone. Okay. So let's okay. talk, yeah. So like, let's talk about, okay, what like, tool? Ooh. Like an application or... Ooh, or I think um, right now, my favorite tool... It's my, um, I have a financial um, software that I invested a lot in. <laughs> and that's kind of like my favorite tool because it allows me to customize the ladies' financial portfolios and the plans that they work for their lives. But second to that, 
acuity scheduling. Okay, okay. <laughs> that keeps me. I take that back, Brandy. No, my favorite tool is Zoom. Okay, Zoom. That is my yes. That is my favorite tool. Tool. I was zooming a minute. Let's zoom. Let's talk. About I know. It. You know what? I started zooming because. Everybody wants to meet you for coffee. Yes. And after a while, some people was great to be for coffee, and I liked it connected with. Some people was like, I could have stayed at home. Yes. So it's in order to weed it out. Some people ask them like over the phone, and then I was like, Oh, well, let's jump on the Zoom. Let's you know? <laughs> And then if they cancel on you, because I've been places where I'm there, they no call, no show. I'm still at home. I just pop on my laptop. If you don't show up, okay, let me just right. go back into the next room. And instead of making all these preparations, driving, sitting at Starbucks. Because I can still see you. Exactly. I, I like Zoom. I, I love Because, uh, like, we had a couple of, within our mastermind group, a couple of times we couldn't meet. But we had a couple of powerful Zoom meetings. Yes. So, where we were just really talking it out. and we But we could see each other on yes. the screen. So, it's a, it's a great tool. So, I do like Zoom as well. Because my inner circle, that's where we meet um, every Wednesday. And actually, the majority of the people that are a part of my subscribed membership are not in Michigan. They are in Atlanta. They're in New York. They're in Texas. And it's like, so I have women. And then they are there some that's in Michigan because they're downstate in um, the Detroit area. Because, you know, I'm from Saginaw. Mm-hmm. So we have some people in Saginaw. So I love it allows them to connect with me. It's better than Facebook with me just talking to the screen, <laughs> trying to read the comments. So yeah. we get to feed off each other. And so, so Zoom is definitely <clears throat> my favorite tool because I'm able to do consultations with someone in New York, Atlanta, Texas, Alabama. And I love they that. Still get you, can, you can still see yes, them, yep. Yes. Still get it's still face to face because yes. you see each other online. So I love that as well. So uh so my last question I like to ask everybody okay. is well, it could be a book you're reading right now because I love books. I I consume a lot of my content mm-hmm. You know, audible because I I draw always busy, always driving, or if I'm taking a walk, or if I'm cleaning, I just listen to audible. It's just easier for me to consume my content that way, and I and so, um, I I'm a bookie, so okay. I, I go through a lot of books that way. So, what's your either your favorite book you're reading now, or the fate, or, or either a book you're reading now, or one of your favorite books you've read in the past? My favorite book is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Oh, okay. That is the book that got me started in real estate. Okay. So I read that book when I was in college, and I was, and that's when the light went off. And I was like, well, it's generated real estate. And so mm-hmm. that what got me involved in real estate. So that that's my favorite book. Well, that's my second favorite book. My first favorite book is Girl, Was in Your Purse? Uh, of, <laughs> of course. So, so, oh, and so... <laughs> So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been an awesome conversation. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you on social media, your website, where they can get the book and all of that stuff. So you can find me on social media on all social platforms at Girl What's In Your Purse. So on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we have a Facebook group called Girl What's In Your Purse. So ladies, so the, the Facebook group is only for women. Uh, it, it allows us to have a private, real 
sisterhood conversation about money, you can purchase the book on my website at www.girlwithinyourpurse forward slash the book, or you can purchase it on Amazon. So you can just find Girl What's In Your Purse on Amazon. Um, yeah. Awesome. Do you have anything coming up or anything? I do. Um, Saturday, July 27th in Saginaw, Michigan, we're going to have what is called Money and Mimosas, where we're going to have Miss Rajade Richmond is going to be coming and talking with us. She, Her company is Search for Her Existence. Okay. And Big Girl Panties. <laughs> and she's gonna um she's a uh, a lawyer by trade and she's gonna be teaching us on protecting our assets. Okay. And making sure that we have the right contract, trademark, copyright. So she's a legal and business strategist. So that is July twenty seventh, July twenty eighth. I'm a part of a home buyer's um session that's gonna be in Saginaw as well. Awesome. So that one is free. And August 11th is my second annual Health is Wealth luncheon. So it's a woman, mind, body, and soul. So what we do is we talk about our physical health, our mental health, our spiritual health, our emotional health, making sure that we look good on the inside and out. And so that is my annual event. Last year it was a sellout. It was awesome. It was the first one I did. And so this year... I'm looking to do it bigger and better. So yeah, awesome. So, so you got a lot of stuff coming I up. Do. I'll definitely leave uh, some of your links in the show notes. Okay. So that uh, if people want to connect with you or get the book, yes. I'll put all the links there. And um, they can find you on social media or your website. So I'll link that there. But I want to thank you so much. This has been an awesome, insightful conversation thank today. You. And just continue to walk in your purpose. You too. Thank Brandy. you. And so thanks so much for coming today. This has been great. Alright, thank you, Brandy. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by the Mimosa Room. The Mimosa Room serves more than mimosas. It provides a social experience. Fresh ingredients, detailed mixology, and charming epithets make these craft mimosas unique. We combine an old-world sophistication with a modern touch. The distinctive craft recipes and services create an elegant ambience. The Mimosa Room is a wonderful way to produce an exquisite atmosphere out of any occasion. Drink, talk, and socialize. Here's to you. You can contact us at 586-330-0757 or you can email us at Room at yahoo.com. You can also reach us on Instagram at the underscore mimosa underscore room or you can check out our website at the Mimosa Room dot com.